The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by U.S. Bank, the power of possible. Learn more at usbank.com newsroom. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 18th. In today's news, President Trump pulls back on his statement in Helsinki about election interference. Sort of. The FBI has been watching alleged Russian agent Maria Butina since the summer of 2016. And national security agencies are banding together to push back against Russian aggression, despite getting no guidance from the White House. But first, the big idea. Simultaneous foreign trips by Trump and Barack Obama showcase the contours of the culture wars. It's really striking to compare the current president's European adventures to his predecessor's Africa foray at the same time. Over the past week, President Trump has loudly complained that European immigration policies are changing what he's been describing as the fabric of Europe and destroying the continent's culture. After meeting with Vladimir Putin in Finland, Trump sat down with Tucker Carlson of Fox News. The interview aired on Tuesday night, and a major focus was this theme of culture. Carlson pushes very strongly anti-immigrant messages on his program, and Trump said he watches all the time. The president then expounded on his nativist agenda, which he sees as central to his political success. Here's a taste of their conversation. As you traveled around Europe and looked at Europe over the years, can you think of a place that has been improved by mass immigration or the uh, movements of large numbers of refugees? Not one. Meanwhile, also yesterday, down in South Africa, former President Barack Obama gave his most significant speech since leaving the White House, speaking to a crowd of 15,000 in Johannesburg to commemorate the 100th anniversary of Nelson Mandela's birth. Obama lamented the rise of what he called strongman politics and the utter loss of shame among political leaders who repeatedly lie. Obama did not mention Trump. He didn't need to. But he situated the president's unexpected 2016 victory as just one symptom of a larger global reaction to the forces of democratization and liberalization. He spoke specifically about immigration. It's not wrong to insist that national borders matter. That's, you know, whether you're a citizen or not, is going to matter to a government that Laws need to be followed. That in the public realm, newcomers should make an effort to adapt to the language and customs of their new home. Those are legitimate things. And we have to be able to engage people who, who do feel as if things are not orderly. But that can't be an excuse for immigration policies based on race or ethnicity or religion. Trump spent years falsely insisting that Obama was from Kenya and demanding more and more proof that the then-president was born in Hawaii. Obama spent two days in Kenya at the start of this week, including a visit to the small hilltop village right on the equator where his father grew up. During his speech, Obama referred to the importance of welcoming immigrants, like his father, and took a shot at the president's policy of breaking up families at our southwestern border. And we can enforce the law while respecting the essential humanity of those who are striving for a better life. For a mother with a child in her arms, we can recognize that could be somebody in our family. That could be my child. On Fox, Trump claimed that Democrats don't want any border security at all. Why do you think they want that? 
maybe it's a political philosophy that they grew up with. Maybe they learned it at school. Maybe they're fools. I don't know. Back in South Africa, Obama brought it back to culture, using the same buzzword that Trump did during his time in Europe. He said Mandela was successful because he cultivated a healthy political culture after he was released from prison and pursued reconciliation in the wake of apartheid. Mandela understood this. He said democracy is based on the majority principle. This is especially true in a country such as ours, where the vast majority have been systematically denied their rights. At the same time, democracy also requires the rights of political and other minorities be safeguarded. He understood it's not just about who has the most votes. It's also about the civic culture that we build that makes democracy work. Trump has not visited Africa as president, and he has refused to apologize for describing African nations as shithole countries. He said during the Fox interview that he's also not sure why the U.S. would go to war to protect the small country of Montenegro if the Russians invaded it even though they're a member of NATO and we've signed a treaty of mutual self-defense. During the Fox interview, Trump furthermore declined to say whether Angela Merkel, a leader of a free and democratic republic in Germany, is doing a better job than Putin, an autocrat who has committed egregious human rights violations and flaunted international law by illegally seizing Crimea, intervening in Syria, and so much more. But he did say this. Angela was a superstar until she allowed millions of people to come into Germany. That really hurt her badly, as you know. Trump's commentary shows the degree to which he has rooted his foreign policy in an affinity for nationalism, reducing global relationships to a transactional zero-sum contest among nations. Now, a world in flux is scary, but there are also opportunities. The uncertainty clears the way for Western coalitions to fill the void. Or, if they don't, autocratic governments. American adversaries are attempting to build a competing image of what a world without U.S. leadership would look like. It's by no means inevitable that freedom will prevail over despotism. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, under pressure on Tuesday, Trump pulled back on his statement made in Helsinki that he took Putin's denials of 2016 campaign interference at face value and didn't know why he should believe U.S. intelligence services over the Kremlin. The way the president delivered his statement of retreat, though, was classic Trump. It was full of winks and nods to his supporters who love him expressly because he's eager to topple tradition. Trump started his appearance with less formal comments about his European trip, but then he made a show of demonstrating to the TV audience that he was now reading from a script. He abruptly changed to a more formal tone of voice and said that he supports the United States' intelligence agencies and accepted that Russia meddled in the 2016 election. But then he switched back to his casual tone and interjected this. Could be other people also. Uh, There's a lot of people out there. Uh, There was no collusion at all. Trump would later go back to his script and claim that his error in Helsinki had simply been misspeaking. He said he misused just a single word, saying would instead of wouldn't. Trump also deleted a line from his prepared remarks about bringing the election hackers to justice. Number two, Russian national Maria Butina, the 29-year-old who was indicted on Tuesday as a Russian foreign agent, has spent nearly five years working to make inroads with elite conservatives in Washington. She sought out leaders of influential right-wing groups like the National Rifle Association and the American Conservative Union. It turns out, my colleagues discovered, that the FBI has been watching Butina since August of 2016. 
Officials say that her activities show the breadth and sophistication of Russia's influence operations on American soil. In 2013, Butina was working as an assistant to Putin ally Alexander Torshin. The two invited leaders of the NRA to attend a meeting in Moscow. It was there that she befriended Paul Erickson, a South Dakota-based Republican operative who's well-known to insiders because he helped run Pat Buchanan's presidential campaign. Butina acknowledged to the Senate Intelligence Committee back in April that she began a romantic relationship with Erickson. He didn't respond to requests for comment, and he hasn't been charged with a crime. By 2017, Butina had enrolled as a graduate student at American University. Her lawyers say that she's not a Russian agent, but simply a student with an interest in politics and a desire to network with powerful Americans. Number three, the director of the NSA and U.S. Cyber Command, Paul Nakasoni, has quietly directed the two organizations to coordinate actions to defend the United States against Russian interference ahead of the midterms. This is the latest initiative by national security agencies to push back against Russian aggression in the absence of direct guidance from the White House. This joint Cybercom NSA Russia group is working with the FBI, CIA, and DHS, each of which has its own initiative to detect and deter Russian influence operations. But experts say the effort may not be enough without help or support from the top. And that's The Daily 202 for Wednesday, July 18th. Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.